0: Hi guys, Morgan here bringing you another episode of Joy and Hope. As you might notice, whether you're watching this episode as a video or listening as a podcast, I, by the grace of God and a very generous additional donation from one of my patrons on Patreon a couple weeks ago, was able to get brand new equipment for filming. So I am really excited to announce today that I have... A really nice little setup here and I'm hoping that it will improve both video and podcast quality. So thank you so much to that friend. And also a special shout out to Stacy Sumaru, Girl, I'm so sorry if I'm mispronouncing your last name. Um, and Emily as well. Who they, a few weeks ago when I was talking with them over a Zoom call. They just encouraged me to take the next step in getting equipment for this ministry so shout out to both of y'all thank you so so much for your inspiration you are both amazing and especially my patron who made that donation this wouldn't have been possible without you and speaking of which before we get into today's episode which is going to be about receiving the love of god i want to thank each and every one of my 34 patrons on patreon this entire ministry would not be possible without your generous support. So, if you are currently a patron on Patreon, thank you from the bottom of my heart. If you are not, however, I encourage you to prayerfully consider becoming a Joy and Hope patron. If you or someone that you know and love has benefited from any of these episodes, as again, my patrons are the one who make all this possible. So, please consider becoming. A patron, I have mentioned this before, but maybe if you're new to the channel, this is um, a ministry that is, yes, a YouTube channel, but also available as a podcast on SoundCloud and iTunes. So, see links below for how to check those things out if you'd love if you would rather listen more on the go. All my on the go hopers who are listening as a podcast right now, shout out to y'all. Let me think, any other special thank yous? Thank you for you if you're watching this video. Clearly you care about your faith because you want to know more about receiving the love of God. So allow me to hopefully help you out in that regard. That's actually the entire mission behind this Joy and Hope ministry. My mission is to, namely, bring light to the dark by creating content that uplifts and inspires people to live happier, holier lives. So whether that's this video or another video, I hope to help you out in that way. So make sure you subscribe to this channel or subscribe to the podcast if you're listening that way so that you never miss out on the new material. Last thing before we get to today's episode, though, of course, and as always, let's begin with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Totus tuus Maria Ego Sum, I am totally yours, Mary. Speaking of Mary, she is the perfect example of what it means to receive the love of God. So I'm actually going to talk about Mary quite a bit today. This episode was actually inspired by a paper I wrote as as part of one of my theology courses in college. It was called Spiritual Theology. And I wrote this paper, the entire title is Receiving the Love of God in a Feminine Spirit, A Call for All. So, if you are a guy watching this video, do not tune out this video is as much for you as it would be for your female friends. So, just a little bit of a backstory though. I wrote this in the fall of 2017, as I said, during a spiritual theology course. And since this was a college theology class, Some of it might be a little difficult to understand for people who might not be as familiar with theology, but I do encourage you to try your best to make it through this video, even if you can't comprehend everything, because isn't that the essence of our faith and the love of God anyway? Ultimately, it is beyond us, and we're not going to be able to understand it perfectly, but I truly believe that this is a call for all, a call for everyone to receive the love of God, and specifically... um, in a feminine way, not meaning if you are a man that you have to somehow be feminine to love God. Feminine in the sense of feminine recep feminine excuse me receptivity. Meaning that the female nature is a receptive one at the biological level, but also very much on a spiritual, emotional, even mental level level not to say that women don't give love as well certainly we do and we're called to do so but just bear with me listen to these words in the paper and ponder their deeper meaning because the title will be unpacked throughout the remainder of this episode again this might be a little difficult for some of you to understand i beg you to bear with me and Also, I apologize for not looking at the camera while I talk for the most part since I am going to be reading my paper. However, I encourage you to maybe take a walk while you're listening to this or lay on your bed, close your eyes, try not to fall asleep, but just take on a prayerful posture as you're listening to these words so that it's not about me, it's not about looking at me But, God willing, whatever I'm saying will speak to your heart in some way, shape, or form. I also want to make a disclaimer that I obviously used a lot of resources for this paper. So, if you are interested in seeing what resources those are, I've included my bibliography in the description below this video. So, feel free to check that out if you're interested in learning more about this on your own. But without further ado, this is my paper entitled um, Receiving the Love of God in in a Feminine Spirit, a Call for All. Written into the anatomy of woman is a role of receiving that can only be fully realized when viewed alongside the body of a man. Though there is a distinction of parts, they are complementary. And it is apparent that communion is physically possible between the two. This physical reality points to a much deeper truth. Namely, that there is a capacity for spiritual communion as well. We know this is possible by looking at the inner life of the Trinity. The Trinity is itself a communion of persons. Joseph Ratzinger treats this topic in great detail in his book, Introduction to Christianity. The Father is eternally begetting the Son, inspirating the Holy Spirit. The Son is eternally begotten by the Father, inspirates the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is eternally spirated by Father and Son. This communion is realized through complete self-gift and an openness to the reception of love. We see this in the Father's giving, the Son's reception of the Father's love, and His complete giving of this love to the Spirit, and the Spirit's reception of it. Therefore, the Trinity is a communion of love between these persons. Further, because we know man is created in the image and likeness of God, We come to know that we are created by love, with love, for love. As for what love is, Christ himself taught us when he said, Greater love has no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. This teaching is reaffirmed in the doctrine of the Second Vatican Council, which states in Gaudium et Spes 24 that human beings can only fully discover their true selves in sincere self-giving. This does not only apply to a man and woman who have taken marriage vows or those who have made vows in consecrated life. This call to give of oneself is written into the very being of each human person created by God. Yet this giving necessitates necessitates a receiving. What follows is a call to receive the love that God offers each of us individually. Active receptivity is only accomplished in a spirit of femininity. Hence, in this paper, I argue that a person cannot give this love without having first received it, and that this reception is entirely a gift from God. Three harmonious manifestations that demonstrate this reception are, first, in the sonly way that the person of Jesus Christ receives the love of God the Father. Secondly, in the way we are called to receive creaturely this love, as attested in the creation account with Adam and Eve. And thirdly, in the femininely way that the Blessed Virgin Mary perfectly received this love and authenticated it through her fiat, her yes to God and his plan for her. In Introduction to Christianity, Joseph Ratzinger argues that relation is what is most fundamental about God who Ratzinger says is pure being. He goes on to say that in the one and indivisible God, there exists the phenomenon of dialogue, the reciprocal exchange of word and love. Ratzinger then quotes St. Augustine, who formulated this idea in the following way. He is not called father with reference to himself, but only in relation to the son. Seen by himself He is simply God. Ratzinger himself explains, Only in being for the other... Excuse me. Only in being for the other is he Father. In his own being in himself, he is simply God. God the Father is eternally begetting God the Son. And the Son is eternally receiving this love of his Father. Ratzinger articulates this ultimately incomprehensible truth in the following way. In that Jesus is called Son and is thereby made relative to the Father, and in that Christology is ratified as a statement of relation, the automatic result is the total reference of Christ back to the Father. Precisely because he does not stand in himself, he stands in him, constantly one with him. Ratzinger says Christians in particular are put into the category of relationship because we proceed from Christ. He specifically mentions the thoughts of John the Evangelist on this matter. According to John, what it means to be a Christian is to be like the Son, becoming a son, not standing on one's own and in oneself, but living completely open in the from and towards. This is the response to a request Jesus makes in the Gospel of John, chapter 17, verse 11, when he prays, Father, keep them in your name which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. It is important to note our procession from the Son is only possible because the Son first received the love of God the Father. This is what led John to say, We love because He first loved us. Thus, we are called creaturely to receive the love of God in imitation of how Jesus Christ does so in a uniquely sonly way. Although John attested to this specifically for Christians, it is a universal call. We see this from the very beginning, when God first created man. In a meditation on givenness, Pope John Paul II says, God gave the world to man for him to find God in it, and so also to find himself. Here, there is a call to receive this gift from God. It is indeed pure gift, as John Paul II confirms when he writes that there are times when all men, even non-believers, glimpse the truth of the givenness of creation and begin to pray, to acknowledge that all is a gift from God. John Paul II says this gift is best recognized in the form of other human persons. He looks to the first man and woman God created, Adam and Eve, to attest to this. First, he refers to the union of two people in general by saying, When two people join with one another, not only do they give themselves to each other, but God also gives them to one another. In this, God's creative plan is enacted. He continues that, In this way, We can know that since the very beginning, man has been given to the other by God. Although God created Adam first, He did so with Eve in mind. They were always intended to be together, helpmates like unto each other. As John Paul II puts it, Woman is given to man so that he can understand himself, and reciprocally, Man is given to woman for the same end. They are to mutually affirm each other's humanity, awed by its dual richness. The most perfect way of receiving the love of God for man as creature is through the love of other pe- people and mutual self-giving. This is what it means to be for the other. John Paul II reflects on how womanhood denotes the future of man. First, God makes man aware of gift and givenness in general in creating woman. For in bringing her to man, God opened man's heart. Further, womanhood indicates motherhood, which is the first form of entrustment of one man to another. John Paul II describes what he means by entrustment in the following manner. To entrust means that God believes in you, trusts that you are capable of receiving the gift, that you are capable of embracing it with your heart, that you have the capacity to respond to it with a gift of yourself. He then concludes, In this way, In creating man as man and woman, God imprints on humanity the mystery of that communion which is the essence of his interior life. Man is drawn up into the mystery of God by the fact that his freedom is subjected to the law of love, and love creates interpersonal communion. Therefore, it is especially important to see why God created human beings as male and female. Although every individual, regardless of his state in life, is called to this communion, marriage is the way in which the mystery of God, the Trinity, love itself, is most fully realized on earth. This is the message Pope Paul VI seeks to convey in Humanae Vitae when he writes about conjugal love. This love, he says, reveals its true nature and nobility, when it is considered in its supreme source, God, who is love. He continues, Marriage, therefore, is not the effect of chance or the product of the evolution of blind natural forces. It is a wise institution of the Creator for realizing in mankind His design of love. Pope John Paul II spent a large part of his papacy reflecting on these truths and presenting them to the world in the redemption of the body and sacramentality of marriage, more commonly referred to as the theology of the body. Many Christians throughout the world since that time have gained wisdom and inspiration from this work. One of the most notable is Christopher West. In the very first line of the very first chapter of his book, Good News About Sex and Marriage, West quotes John Paul II, who said, The great mystery, which is the church and humanity in Christ, does not exist apart from the great mystery expressed in the one flesh, reality of marriage and the family. Alluding to the title of his book, West says this truth about the Catholic Church's teachings on sex and marriage is in fact good news because it is the truth about love, and true love is the fulfillment of the human person. West goes on to say that in order to know how to love, we must look to Christ. He recognizes that the Trinity is love itself and are a communion of this love between persons. Jesus receives the love of the Father in a sonly way and then gives this love to the Holy Spirit Christ also shares this love with us. His greatest act of love, which West says shows us the truth about love, is found on the cross. Love one another as I have loved you, Jesus says in the Gospel of John, chapter 15, verse 12. Jesus did not spare a trace of love. He gave his very life for us. These words of Christ sum up the meaning of life and the meaning of human sexuality. West says, If we live according to the truth of our sexuality, we fulfill the very meaning of our being and existence. West then points out that the Bible itself is a story of marriage. It begins with Adam and Eve's marriage in Genesis and ends. With the wedding of the Lamb in Revelation, which symbolizes the marriage of Christ and the church. West writes Throughout the Old Testament, God's love for his people is described as the love of a husband for his bride. In the New Testament, Christ embodies this love. He comes as the heavenly bridegroom to unite himself forever to his bride to us. Our bodies convey this deep meaning through the unique sexuality of male and female. West describes the distinct yet complementary roles of man and woman as follows. The man is disposed in his very being toward making the gift of himself to the woman, and the woman is disposed in her very being toward receiving the gift of the man into herself and giving herself back to him. And the love between them is so real, so profound, that, God willing, it may become another human person. We can liken these roles to those of the persons of the Trinity. The man gives the gift of himself to the woman, just as God the Father gives himself as a gift to the Son, The son receives this gift and then gives it to the father in return. This gift of pure love between the two spirates the Holy Spirit, just as the love between a man and a woman has the capacity to create a new life. Although it must be noted that God is not sexual, and therefore has no distinction between sexes since he is pure being, West says the analogy of faithful, sexual love helps us understand God's love in a particularly profound way. This leads him to conclude, to love and be loved as God loves, this is the deepest desire of the human heart. God put it there when he made us in his image. Nothing else can satisfy, nothing else can Will fulfill. Cormac Burke refers to this inherent desire as each individual's call to sanctity. In his book, *The Theology of Marriage*, Burke references the Second Vatican Council document *Lumen Gentium* on this point. He says the fifth chapter of this doctrine contains an utterly personalized message for every member of the church, each of whom, whatever his or her position in life. Is called to sanctity. Burke describes sanctity as the fullness of friendship and intimacy with God. Many people are called to live out this call in the union of marriage which is perfect friendship and in this way imitate the Trinity. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. We are all called by Christ to love God and to do His will and likewise to love, (laughs) excuse me, to love our fellows in creation which in so doing is doing God's will. In order to give love though we must first receive the love that God has given us. The most perfect example of receiving this love is the blessed virgin mary. Mary was asked a question more dire than anyone else on earth has ever received. She was asked to be the mother of the living god. As a human being, Mary had free will. She could have said no. In his book Mary and our soul life, Reverend Rayle plus says this is exactly what places the Blessed Virgin uniquely above all the elect on a plane so elevated that it is beyond human appreciation that God asked her free consent to the Incarnation and the redemptive plan. Just as God calls us daily to say yes to Him and thus to love Him, He asked this of Mary, the fate of humanity, rested in her response, namely, in her fiat. Mary, as the, only pers- as the only human person created without the stain of original sin after Adam and Eve, she is our example, only second to Christ, of what it means to be perfect. This does not mean Mary is not redeemed or that she was never in need of redemption, As Plus puts it, she is different only in this. Her redemption has been more sublime. As Pope Pius IX says in the Bull, which defines the Immaculate Conception, it consisted in preserving her from every stain of sin from the very beginning of her existence. God desired to use Mary in a most special way in His plan for salvation. In other words, He desired to love her unlike he had ever loved anyone else in creation. Mary perfectly received this love, and in a particularly feminine way, she responded, Behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. This authenticates how all of humanity is called to submit to God's will in a spirit of femininity, which is to receive the love God has for us and to give this love to Him in return through a sincere gift of ourselves. Mary is not only an example for us, she is our mediatrix. Plus uses this term in his book. He begins to describe what he means by this in the following way. In the cycle of original sin, the sin was committed by Eve, consummated by Adam, and transmitted through Eve. In the supernatural order, the cycle is identical. Redemption is begun by Mary, consummated by Jesus, and transmitted through Mary. This should not be confused with the term mediator. As Plus clarifies, the church formally declares, according to St. Paul, that there is one mediator, Jesus Christ, and Mary is thus mediatrix. She receives graces and is granted intercession in the lives of the faithful only through Jesus. After personally reflecting on Mary's prominent role in our lives in this way, Pope John Paul II says this, which is a perfect conclusion to the topic of the reception of God's love. Totus Tuis. All yours, Mary. Yes. We must ourselves be a total gift, a disinterested, sincere gift, in order to recognize in every man the gift that he is and to thank the giver for the gift of the human person. All for the greater glory of God. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Thank you all so much for being here, for joining us on this episode of Joy and Hope. If you did enjoy it, please give us a thumbs up and share it with at least one person in your life who came to mind while you were listening, while you were watching, who could just really use a reminder today of how they are loved by God and how. They can respond to that love. Until next time, God bless. Thanks so much for joining us today on the Joy and Hope podcast. We seek to bring light to the dark. If you enjoy our mission, we would love for you to become a patron on Patreon. Our patrons are what make it possible for us to continue doing joy and hope full time, bringing you the inspiring, creative content that uplifts you to live more joyful, hopeful lives. So please consider supporting us. Thanks so much for being here today. God bless and see you next time.